If you looked at the text for today, maybe you were wondering, what is he going to say about that? And uh, that was kind of my uh, thought, too, as I was looking through this uh, passage, Genesis chapter 5. But we learned today some life lessons from a genealogy. Uh, Genesis chapter 5, and we begin reading at verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam in the day when God created him. He made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and he blessed them and named them man in the day when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. Then the days of Adam after he became the father of Seth were at 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Seth lived 105 years and became the father of Enosh. Then Seth lived 807 years after he became the father of Enosh, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Enosh lived 90 years and became the father of Kenan. Then Enosh lived 815 years, and he became the father of, after he became the father of Kenan, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. Kenan lived 70 years and became the father of Mahalalel. Then Kenan lived 840 years after he became the father of Mahalalel, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. Mahalalel lived 65 years and became the father of Jared. Then Mahalalel lived 830 years after he became the father of Jared, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. Jared lived 162 years and became the father of Enoch. Then Jared lived 800 years after he became the father of Enoch, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah and had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Methuselah lived 187 years and became the father of Lamech. Then Methuselah lived 782 years after he became the father of Lamech, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. Lamech lived 182 years and became the father of a son. Now he called his name Noah, saying, This one will give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands, arising from the ground which the Lord has cursed. Then Lamech lived 595 years after he became the father of Noah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. Noah was 500 years old 
And Noah became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Let's pray. Father, we read words like these, and sometimes we wonder, Lord, why do we find all this in the Bible? Is there a lesson we need to learn from this? And Father, we believe that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for teaching, for correcting, for rebuking, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So, Father, teach us the lessons that you want us to learn, the life lessons from this genealogy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Long before anybody had probably heard of Jabez, and that may ring a bell to you, the prayer of Jabez, maybe a book you've read, but long before that I was sitting in a church Upper Michigan, Maranatha Free Lutheran Church, church my brother used to serve, when Pastor Jim Gurdine was the pastor. And he started reading from First Chronicles chapter 4, a genealogy. And he was reading uh, name after name, and many of them were names that we'd have probably a hard time pronouncing. And he read about five verses, and then he stopped. Right while he was reading his text, he stopped and said, This is boring, isn't it? And I remember sitting there just thinking, wow, you know, that's an interesting comment coming from a pastor, reading the Word of God. But he had a point to make because he said, maybe we should keep reading. And then he read on and he read about the life of Jabez, who, who made this prayer to God that God would enlarge his territory, that God would bless him and so forth. And that has always stuck with me when I come to a genealogy because there's a temptation to say, you know what, this is boring. Let's just move on from here. But if God has put that in his word, then maybe there's some lessons that we need to learn. Life lessons from a genealogy. I would suggest there are three lessons we can learn as we look at this genealogy. First of all, that the days of our lives are significant. The days of our lives are significant. You'll notice a pattern in all of these uh, names listed here. Um, it's a genealogy that, that goes from Adam through the line of Seth all the way down to Noah and the flood. And with the mention of each descendant, there is an obvious pattern. You have the name of the descendant, how old he was when he had a son, how long he lived after the son was born, and the total number of the years that he lived. And I won't read through the whole passage again to illustrate that because you'll probably start nodding off. So... You see the pattern there. Now, what is interesting to me to notice about all of the men that are listed in this genealogy is that the years of their lives are described in terms of days. Did you notice that? I'll give you some examples. I won't read all of them. Verse 5, so all the days, notice all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Verse 8, so all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And with all of them, you have that phrase over and over again, all the days that he lived were 
however many years. And that struck me. Why, why, would, he, why would he mention days? Especially when people were living over 900 years. <laughs> Can you imagine living over 900 years? And so, in, in light of all of these years, doesn't a day seem somewhat insignificant? 900 years a day? Methuselah lived 969 years. As some suggest he was the first Finlander, Matti Sula. 969 years. You know how many days that would be? That would be 353,685 days. Can you imagine hearing your alarm clock ringing? 353,685 days? That's over a third of a million times. I always put the radio on in mine. I like to be awakened to some music rather than... But just think of that, 353,000 plus days. If you live to be 75, you'll only get to hear your alarm ring uh, seven, or, let's see, 27,375 times. You know, most people don't think that a day is significant in light of all the years that they live, but the Bible makes it clear that we shouldn't really think that way. And there's many passages that would remind us of that. We, we read from Psalm 90 this morning. Dennis read so well there. It, it talks about God being our dwelling place from all generations, from everlasting to everlasting. He is God. And then it describes our life, and not 900 years, but 70 or 80. That's about the average length of our lives. Someone lives to be... Uh, 104, like any Holin member from our church, lived 104. That's unusual. So we have about 70 or 80 years. And notice verse 12 then, the conclusion that, that uh, Moses comes to as he writes this song. He says, So teach us to number our days, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. So even in light of 70 or 80 years, which is a lot of days, yet we are to number our days. Each day is significant. What do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? Give us this year our yearly bread, right? No, give us this month our monthly bread. Give us this, no, give us this day our daily bread. What is Jesus teaching us? To number our days, to, to live a day at a time. And the end of uh, chapter 6 of Matthew, where Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer, he, he, he talks about seeking first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about what? Tomorrow. Because each day... <laughs> has enough trouble of its own. Okay, There again, why are we living a week at a time, or a month at a time, or a year at a time? Teach us to number our days. Every day is significant. And when we live a day at a time, it's going to make a difference in the way we live, won't it? I think of what James tells us in chapter 4. 
He says this, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, we'll spend a year there, engage in business and make a profit. He said, you don't know what your life will be like tomorrow. For you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, what, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance all such boasting is evil. So we don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow, but we have today, right? And we need to live this day with purpose. Every day of our lives is significant. So let's not waste them, huh? Let's not waste them. Ever waste days? We have, haven't we? With trivial matters, with with things that in light of eternity, really aren't that important? Instead of living each day with purpose, Lord, you have given me this day to live my life for you, to honor you, to glorify you. May I do something today that is of eternal value. The songwriter says, Hold tight to the sound of the music of living. Happy songs from the laughter of children at play. Hold my hand as we run through the sweet, fragrant meadows, making memories of what was today. Tiny voice that I hear as my little girl calling for Daddy to hear what she has to say. And my little son running there by the hillside may never be quite like today. Tender words, gentle touch, and a good cup of coffee. Some of you have brought that this morning. And someone who loves me and wants me to stay, hold them near while they're here. And don't wait for tomorrow to look back and wish for today. We have this moment to hold in our hands and to touch as it slips through our fingers like sand. Yesterday's gone. and Tomorrow may never come, but we have this moment today. So the days of our lives are significant. Second lesson we learn from this genealogy is that the end of our lives is certain. The days of our lives are significant, but the end of our lives is certain. Did you notice the phrase over and over as I read through the text this morning? Kind of a depressing chapter in some ways because you read through and you hear about all these people. They lived, they had sons and daughters. They lived all these years, but with all of them, except one that we'll look at, it says, and he died. And he died. And he died. Eight times we find that phrase, and he died. So if repetition is the secret of learning, there's obviously something that God wants us to understand here. The Bible says that we have an appointment with death. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto men once to die, and after that comes the judgment. Ever been late for an appointment? Have you ever been late for church? You'll pay for it. You'll sit in the front row if you're late, won't you? 
Okay, there's appointments that we're late for. There's appointments that, that we skip. We don't want to go to. We don't want to be at. The appointment that we have with death, we won't be late and we won't be able to skip it. It is appointed unto men once to die. I don't know if you think about this very much, but we are all terminal, aren't we? The statistics are not in our favor. You know what the statistics are? One out of one die. Right? One out of one. And some people kind of bury their heads in the sand and they don't want to think about that. And I don't know if they think if they just don't think about it, it won't happen. It's going to happen. Uh, Burying our head in the sands, refusing to think about it, isn't going to change the fact. And I know this is a very morbid thought, but someday people are going to attend your funeral. Isn't that the reality? That is a fact, unless Jesus comes before then. And for those of you who aren't sure about where you will spend eternity, don't you think it would be wise for you to make sure today? If you aren't guaranteed tomorrow, wouldn't it be wise to make sure today? If you aren't guaranteed that you're going to live another week, wouldn't it be wise that before you walk out of this building today, that you are living in a right relationship with Jesus? Would it not be foolish to walk out of here and say, I'll take my chances? That'd be the ultimate foolish thing. Adam died. Seth died. Enosh died. Kenan died. Mahalalel died. Jared died. Methuselah died. Lamech died. And we'd be fools to think that we'll be spared. There was a 50-year-old man from a previous congregation I served, finished his uh, shift at work, had taken a shower, just gotten changed, closed his locker door, was ready to walk out, and said to his fellow workers, I'll see you tomorrow. And boom, he went down, 50 years old, died just like that. Last words, I'll see you tomorrow. This is not a game. This is reality. And we need to be sure that we are living in a right relationship with Jesus. There was a man that told his pastor, he said, I've got someone coming to church with me that doesn't know the Lord, and I want you to preach a message about salvation. Guess what the text was that Sunday? Genesis 5. So the pastor starts reading the text, and this guy is sitting there with his friend, and he is fuming. Here, I I tell my pastor, my friend needs salvation. He needs Jesus. And he preaches on a text like this. Oh, he was upset. And that phrase, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died eight times. The guy that was with him, that made him start to think. He said, one day I'm going to face death. And I am not ready. And after the service, he walked up the aisle, went to that pastor, and he said, Tell me. (laughs) Tell me how I can be saved. (laughs) And that man came 
to Jesus. God's word is powerful. He can use a genealogy. He did with that man. And that man came to know the Lord as his Savior. So the days of our lives are significant. The end of our lives is certain, but notice thirdly, and it's not all depressing, the hope, the hope of our lives is the Lord. In the midst of this chapter that is filled with reminders of death, there is a wonderful exception, isn't there? Along with the prophet Elijah, there was a man by the name of Enoch. A man that never experienced death. And notice how Moses describes it. Verse 21, Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God. And then we have this very interesting phrase. And he was not. For God took him. They couldn't find Enoch because God had raptured him. God had taken him to glory. Just like he had done or would do a little bit later with Elijah the prophet in a, in a chariot of fire, took him to glory before he died. And as far as I know, these are the only two in Scripture who never experienced death. They were taken to glory, taken to heaven before they died. Now, it's obvious that Enoch was a true believer because twice we are told that he walked with God. In other words, he had a living relationship with God and it impacted the way that he lived. Walking with God obviously means walking along his pathway. Walking in obedience to God. And so instead of going the world's way, Enoch went God's way. And I'm sure it wasn't easy. Enoch was living at the time, getting closer and closer to the flood when evil was running rampant in the world. But Enoch remained faithful to God. He walked with God. And Enoch is a picture of what is going to happen when Jesus comes again. 1 Thessalonians 4 says that when the Lord comes again, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then believers who are still alive and remain will be caught up to meet them in the air. And then Paul says, And so we shall be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, are we living in the day when we could see Jesus come again? Does it appear to you as you look at the world today? Are we, are we, are we close to that day? No one can say for sure. We can't start setting dates. But we're closer today than we were yesterday. We're closer today than we were when these words were written. Could we be the generation that sees the second coming of Jesus? Could we be among those who, like Elijah and like Enoch, are caught up to be with the Lord and we never experience death? We, we rob the funeral home of their, uh, their wages, huh? In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, we will not all die, but we will all be changed in a moment, 
in the twinkling of an eye, for the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. My dad used to say, I'm not waiting for the undertaker, I'm waiting for the upper taker. And that's how we need to live in light of that, don't we? Living in light of the fact that Jesus could come today. Are you ready to meet him today? Would you go to be with him in glory? Do you know for sure today that your sins are forgiven, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life? And don't say like people written about in Peter's epistle, oh yeah, they've been talking about that for a long time now. As if God has never invaded this world and brought judgment. Go back to the flood, Peter says, look at there. So don't doubt that God will come in judgment. He will. And we don't know when that day will come. And that's why we need to be ready. And if you live as if Jesus could come today, then every day of your life will be significant, won't it? You get up in the morning and you say, perhaps today, maybe today is the day that Jesus will come again. Would that make a difference in your life? If you knew that Jesus was coming today, would that make a difference in your life? If it would, then we need to live in light of that, shouldn't we? If you live as if Jesus would come today, you will be ready to meet him. And you will say as John writes in Revelation, Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come quickly. On Monday, we had the funeral service for Becky Valdez. And she was buried out in Elk River by Lake Orono, I think it's called. And you drive through the neighborhood and you come then to this road that leads into the cemetery. And it struck me because there was a sign there on that road that said, No Outlet. Interesting, huh? And so before we did the graveside service, I said to the family, Did you notice the sign coming in on that road? No Outlet. I said, I am here to tell you that there is an outlet from that cemetery. Because when Jesus comes again, those who have died in Christ, they will not remain in that grave. They will be caught up to be with Jesus. And that's the hope that we need to hold on to today. Is that your hope? you know Jesus as your Savior? I know many of you do. Many of you have a living relationship with Him. You are walking in fellowship with Him today. You are waiting for the day when Jesus comes again. But maybe there's one of you, two of you, three of you, some of you today. I really don't know where you're going to spend eternity. If I were to ask you, are you sure that when you die that you'd go to be with the Lord? Some of you would say, no, I'm not sure. I don't really know. 
God's word says you can know. First John 5 says, These things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Wouldn't it be good to know? Isn't it good to know, believers? You can know. And it's not based on any good deed that you've done. You've gone to church and given money in the offering. It's not on your work for God, but it's based upon His work for you. When Jesus died on the cross, He said, It is finished. Payment has been made. He rose from the dead victoriously, and He offers to you today. Eternal life is a gift, a free gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Would you receive that gift today? Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I know that you died for me. You went all the way to the cross for me. You shed your blood for me that I might be forgiven. I know I don't deserve it, Lord, but I receive that gift that you offer to me. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you've done for us. And when we live in a right relationship with you because of Jesus, every day has significance. And we don't fear eternity because we know that we will be with you. And we thank you, Lord, that we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And may that hope be that which we stand upon today, trusting in you and in you alone for our salvation. Lord, thank you for the lessons, the life lessons we learn even from a genealogy. Lord, your word is truth. We pray in your name. Amen.